Hey guys, little trigger warning before this week's episode. It's going to be talking a lot about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, body image. So if those are sensitive topics to you, please click off now. This is going to be the only warning I'm going to put in. And just as a little reminder as well, I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, or expert in anything. I'm just speaking from my own experience in the way I've experienced my eating habits with my narcissistic parent and how I've been able to come out of that for the first time in 17 years. So this is purely just from lived experiences on my end and from the brief research I've done trying to put more technological terms to what I've been going through. So hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Make It Make Sense by Danielle. This week's episode is going to be a long one or I'm going to divvy it up into two parts. Haven't decided yet, depending on how long it goes. It started off as just a simple comment that someone put on my one of my TikToks and it got me thinking of how integrated this has affected my life, my recovery, and more so how I think it could help other people understand what they're feeling, what they're going through if you're someone that does struggle with a eating disorder, a struggle with addiction. And that is talking about narcissistic fathers and body image, specifically eating habits and how that impacts how we view food and how we view our bodies even growing up with a male figure that is all about being in control of ourselves. So I'm gonna break this down into how toxic families or families with narcissistic parents and eating disorders kind of happen and leading that into how eating habits are impacted by that narcissistic abuse and even more so specifically how daughters are affected by that when there is a narcissistic father in the household. So there's gonna be a lot of segments to this. So that's why I'm saying we may have to divvy this up into a couple of parts because I'm very passionate about this subject and I want it to be as easily digestible for everyone listening as possible because I, this is something that I've struggled with my entire life that I haven't been able to put words to up until I'd say about this last year. And just reading a lot of the comments and from my posts that I do on TikTok, I find that there is such a community of women specifically who grew up with a narcissistic father or a father that was very controlling that they didn't really have a relationship with or when they did, it was very much about food or about their body image and the way that they're presented in. And I want to break this down first in talking about what is the link on toxic families, specific narcissistic parents, and eating disorders. So when you think about this, when you're growing up as a child, it's little you, you're meant to be taken care of by your parents. And when we're kids, kids need safety and connection in order to feel secure. And without it, it's like we have little alarm bells going off in our heads, right? Telling us that we're not safe and our nervous system we feel is out of balance, if you want to put a technical term on it. So when we're feeling like that, we're, it's almost like we're falling and we're waiting to hit the ground or we're waiting for someone to catch us or rescue us or whatever it may be. But it's that feeling of instability that makes us panic. And when we have narcissistic parents or emotionally, low emotionally intelligent parents, that is the norm. The norm is that they are the ones triggering that alarm bell because their actions dictate the household. What we know about narcissists is they have to be in control, they're never wrong, and they believe that they themselves are inherently better. And that includes being better than their own children. And uh, I think it's also important to keep in mind that with narcissistic parents, 
it's not so much as their child is their own person. It's the child is either an extension of them or their child is in competition of them. It's not really a support role. It's another person that's going against the narcissist, you could say. So going back to when we're feeling that unsafety, triggering feeling, our nervous system is overwhelmed. And normally when we're kids, we turn to our parents or our adults to help us or help figure out how to calm us down, what to help us understand what emotions we're feeling why we're feeling unsafe and understand how we can regulate ourselves healthily to start feeling better. And that's how we learn how to empathize with one another, how we learn to just take care of ourselves and take care of our emotions and keep our emotions in check. But in toxic family dynamics, this overwhelming feeling is the norm because your parent, who is a regular figure in your life and in your household, is the one triggering this feeling. And in this situation, you are lost. You're on your own. Or if you're, especially if you have younger siblings and you're the oldest sibling or an older sibling, you may have to be that caretaker to play the role of the parent in regulating your sibling's emotion, even though no one taught you how to do it yourself. And it's extremely difficult. And if you resonate with that, I am so sorry. And that's exactly why I make these podcasts, make these videos that I do to help understand that, that you are not alone in feeling like that. I think with older siblings in general, especially women, we have that expectation to be a caregiver, to be a nurturer. And that includes with our siblings and a lot of times even our own parents, where we may not even be viewed as daughters or children, but a sister, but another caretaker or simply just a woman. That identity that we have, that we are children ourselves, that we still need caring, that we still need love, that we still need nurturing, it's not seen, especially in these kind of toxic dynamic households where daughters are almost an extension of the mother role, where she doesn't need to be raised. She's automatically a woman. She's born knowing how to nurture and take care of other people. So we're going to throw her into the role of the parent. And even a lot of the times that includes making sure your parents' emotions are in check. And that kind of leads into parentification as well. When we're kids and we're not sure how to regulate our emotions, when we're feeling this scary, triggering, unstable experience, we look for ways to detach and to numb and to escape this unsettling feeling, whether that's physically or mentally. And this is kind of where addiction can play, can have a role into the child's life, especially prematurely, where drugs and alcohol can be used as coping mechanisms to suppress that missing feeling of love and stability inside. However, one of the most convenient ways to do this is through food. Through it, food is what is most accessible when we're kids it is what we feel like is the only thing we can control so food whether it's overeating or starvation whatever it is it can be used as a tactic to cope with these unsettling feelings and that leads into the impact narcissistic parents have on a child's eating habits like i said before food is an easy accessible way to gain control for your survival And it can almost be used as a tool as well as an emotional escapism. And same, like I said before, deprivation is another form of that where starvation kind of triggers that high sensation. And I talk about that again in another episode. And with narcissists, their focus is to gain control, to gain power over the family dynamic because they themselves view themselves as being inherently right. 
And when you view themselves as being inherently better than everyone, including their own children, that includes eating habits. And I found it interesting during my research and kind of just trying to put more technical terms, I guess you could say, to what I've experienced. And there's, and I think there's two ways that this can be exemplified. And one being a very fitness, health conscious parent where they push these over health boundaries onto you because they don't want you to get fat. And fat phobia is a, is a common pattern with narcissistic parents and food habits especially. And what I found the most interesting in the way I experienced with, which was with my father who was overweight. My dad, I know, um, what I now know, he has binge eating disorder. But when I was growing up, I didn't know that. I just knew my dad was a heavier guy. However, despite him being heavier, he always felt like he knew what was best for me to be eating and what I needed to eat to be quote unquote healthy. But it was just kind of bullshit that I, I don't know if he made up or if he like read it in some Cosmo article. I really don't know. Um, if you're new to listening to this, I've been vegan for roughly about nine years right now, I want to say. And right around the time I went vegan, my dad was like, you're going to start craving dirt because you're so nutrient deficient. You're so protein deficient. That's not true. That's just completely a made up fact. And it, at that point in my life, too, I've gotten to the point where I was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I just stopped listening to it. But it's things like that that would come up where he thought he knew my body and my diet better than I did and that he knew how to take care of me better than I did when he never had a role in how I was being fed, how I was being taken care of, and more importantly, how I chose to fuel my body. And what I learned from that is, I and I have a very completely opposite body type than my father, but what I learned from that is they project their own body insecurities onto their child. Again, saying that narcissists view their children as extensions of themselves, that means that in a way they're inherently fearing that their child is going to be overweight, that their child is going to become fat because of the foods they're consuming and not really focusing on the health aspect of what healthy foods are, what a healthy meal is, what a balanced healthy meal is. It's just this fear of don't be fat, don't eat this, don't eat bad foods. And it kind of puts like pigeonholes us into these ideas of what's right and wrong. And this enforces that black and white thinking, which I talk about in another episode of, uh, which is a sign of low emotional intelligence and low emotional intelligence is exactly that it's, there is one correct way. And therefore, if there's a correct way, every other way outside of that is wrong. And that's where we kind of start to see how we label our foods as being good for us or bad for us and starting to put these, I like to say toxic labels almost because I feel food is so different for so many other people and we have such a complex relationship whether or not you've had an eating disorder or not or are currently struggling with one i think food culturally just the way we choose to enjoy it it is so niche to who we are as people and what our taste buds like and which are constantly changing and with my experience with food and eating it has been a very touchy subject where if someone questions what i'm eating i try my best not to feel affected by it but it does and it does make me question on what am I eating and I a lot of times have to question have to even tell myself like no this is good for you this makes my body feel good this makes me feel happy and this is enjoyable to me to eat so why is it wrong and I just don't understand how other people can be so personally offended by another person's eating habits when it has no effect on themselves 
So when it comes to food, especially, I always like to say, eat what you like, eat what makes you feel good and eat what makes your body feel energized, especially. And I think that's the most sustainable way to create a healthy diet for yourself. But I'm going to get into that later on in this episode. Right now, I want to focus on how this fat phobic pattern is displayed in both a parent being overweight and a parent being fit themselves, specifically the narcissistic parent. And especially with when they have body issues of their own, whether they're currently overweight or they were overweight as children, they cannot take accountability for their own actions and the way they look or the way they turn out if it is distasteful to them. They will make excuses or they will put off any other reason for why this is the way it is other than their own accountability. So if your your narcissistic parent is overweight, they kind of come up with the excuse, well, I don't know how this could be. I'm doing everything right. And while they may be eating healthier meals, eating a salad for lunch, eating a pint of ice cream at midnight isn't going to keep you on track if your goal is to lose weight. That's just the reality of it. You got to figure out what the balance is and you have to understand that what your ultimate goal is will require sacrifices and hard work. But because narcissists feel like they're special in some way, they think they're above hard work and that they're above having to make accommodations for themselves and instead they want to push blame onto other people. Similar with health and fitness narcissistic parents where fat phobia is almost weaponized against their children to dissuade them from wanting to gain weight or eating unhealthier foods or eating foods that go outside their idea of quote-unquote healthy eating. And even more so, I think weighing your child and shaming them for how much they weigh is extremely toxic kids are kids and your weight is going to fluctuate your entire life and i think when we start putting these unhealthy expectations of what you should weigh how you should look at such a young age it ingrains such a toxic attitude for kids to look at with not only themselves but with food and food is something we all need to live And when you disturb that child's relationship with food at such a young age, it is going to impact them for the rest of their lives. I'm 26 and I still hear thoughts and judgments about what I eat on a day-to-day basis that my parents told me when I was just a kid. It sticks with kids because we're just sponges. We're new to this world and we're absorbing everything. And when we want validation, when we want love, especially from our parents, we're going to listen to everything they say and take it to heart. So even though it could be just one little thing that they didn't even mean that it was a joke that they said when I was like five years old, I probably took it personally and I'm still hanging on to that. Mental health and especially with children, it's such a fragile and delicate thing. And that's why I think it is such a job, a full-time job to protect kids and to help support them in any way you can as a parent and to do nothing but love them. Because honestly, that's the only job of a child is to be loved and to feel loved and to learn how to love themselves before the world can tell them how bad everything can be. And again, going back to what I said about having to enforce this idea of good foods and bad foods, healthy and unhealthy foods, whatever the term is, it pigeonholes and it limits what that child views as healthy. And with a narcissistic parent especially, children crave that validation. They crave that love because in a way they are feeling inadequate for their parent to gain their love. So to gain that love, they want to seek approval. They want to do what's right. They want to earn that love. So they're going to comply with these standards of what's healthy and what's not. 
And same with going how they want to look. They don't want to look fat. They've been scared to that fat phobia is bad, that fat people aren't going to be loved. And they may even push themselves into being too thin and creating unhealthy diet culture and um, giving into unhealthy diet culture or even doing the opposite where overeating as a way to rebel and make themselves almost undesirable to the parent being like, well, fuck you. If you don't love me and you're going to tell me how I want to eat, I'm just going to do whatever I want, look the way I want. I'm not going to abide by your standards. I'm not going to abide to what you want me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that can also do the opposite where it makes you unhealthy overweight. And I, I want to really emphasize that eating too much and not enough is equally unhealthy for your body. And when I was trying to figure out how to rebuild that relationship with food, I focused on satiation and the way I was nourishing my body, choosing foods that I knew made me feel good and made me feel energized and listening to what my body was telling me. If I felt like I overate and I felt sick or if I felt like I was under eating and I was walking away from meals hungry. That was my body telling me, hey, we need to eat more and not so much as looking at it as an overeating experience. And I think when we are learning how to eat again and learning how to find foods that are healthy for us, we're trying to push away from this idea that food is good and bad because when we put that label on it, we have a guilt when we indulge in those quote unquote bad foods. Foods are a little unhealthier. I think everything is fine in moderation. Everybody is different. Everyone is different. So you're going to react to different foods differently than another person. It's why diet culture is so unsustainable because it is a restrictive meal plan that is made around a temporary fast where eventually you're going to get hungry again. You're going to start craving those foods that you're not allowing yourself to have because you're restricting. And when we restrict, we learn that that's eventually going to lead into a binge or an overeating, which again, it's unhealthy for our body. So when we learn how to find that balance in eating for our bodies that is healthy to us, we learn how to listen to our bodies and listen to what we need and listen to what foods make us feel good and that on its own is a form of self-care when we choose foods that we know are good for us that make our bodies feel good that make us feel good we know we're fueling ourselves with good things and that is the word that you can learn how to give to yourself versus good bad unhealthy healthy food is food so i think putting a label on it kind of just shapes it to be another toxic pattern that diet culture kind of puts us in. And with narcissistic dads and their daughters, food habits especially, there is a huge correlation I find with misogyny and patriarchal views and that standard because women are not viewed as equal. They are viewed as objects. So narcissistic fathers who fall into these misogynistic norms 
that is how they're going to view their own daughters as objects, as not being human beings with interests, with goals, with careers of their own. They are viewed as either extensions of themselves or viewed as a woman whose only goal is to be married off and become another man's problem, so to say. And to the, in the eyes of the narcissistic father, daughters need to be desirable to the male gaze to be viewed as healthy, to be viewed as right. And what we know about the male gaze is it applauds young, thin women. Women that wear makeup, that do their hair, that dress in short skirts, tight clothes, that appeal to the male gaze. And I'm going to do a whole, I'm planning on doing an episode on this, hopefully next week, about the male gaze and its ties to media and marketing. And I don't know if you guys know that song, um, that Victoria's Secret song about like, oh, the old man that lives in Ohio, and now he's kind of telling me how thin I need to look. That's, that's what marketing does. It's created by men. So, of course, they're going to create images that they find desirable, which is what we know as the male gaze. And being a woman, once I kind of crack that code of being like, oh, that's what I'm trying to be appeasing to, fuck that. I'm going to look like a fucking trash bag and almost kind of doing that opposite effect of rebelling and making myself undesirable. But instead of doing that, doing what makes me happy, what makes me feel good, and not giving a fuck what the male gaze has to say about the way I dress, the way I choose to wear my hair, do my makeup, pick out my jewelry, eat my food, whatever the fuck it is, I know I love myself, I know I find myself beautiful, and that's all that fucking matters. So with dads, and especially um, with their daughters, they want to mold their daughter to be this almost doll of the male gaze so she can achieve her only goal of marrying another man. Fuck if you're gay. You're not allowed to be. You only can marry a man because that's your only fucking goal in life is to get married and have babies. So if the daughter's only goal in the eyes of her narcissistic father is to become physically attractive in order for her to attract a man, the needs are to achieve this goal is being male gaze, being thin enough, being pretty enough, being whatever the fuck is considered desirable. And this inherently promotes these unhealthy eating habits. This encourages diet culture. This also does the opposite effect where people want to push away from what the male gaze is and become the opposite. But innately, they're also hurting themselves by putting their bodies, putting themselves at these extremes too, of being too thin, too overweight, whatever it may be that you're struggling with where it comes to your body and you just not feeling good about yourself in. I want to really emphasize this, uh, this idea of the impact the male gaze has on this and specifically the way narcissistic fathers push the male gaze onto their daughters as being the correct way, quote unquote, of living and being. And it's entirely false because nothing about the male gaze is healthy. We know that beauty standards are constantly changing. So meeting them is going to be unsustainable. And even our bodies are constantly changing multiple times during the day as well. Dads don't understand that. And I thought it was interesting too, when I was reading Britney Spears's book, that one of the things her father did to control her was he would have her work out the same workout plan and she would eat the same fucking meal. And there was something about when he mentioned the, or when she mentioned the same thing that she would have to eat every day, it kind of, it really touched me because 
I just thought of myself, if I, if my dad had a conservatorship over me, how would he feed me? And in all honesty, it literally would be whatever he put in front of me, whatever meal he chose for me. And it wouldn't be anything I would have to say because in his eyes, he knows what's best for me. Because I'm just his crazy little daughter, so he has to do what's best to take care of me. And I feel like on like to everyone that's grown up with a narcissistic parent or a narcissi- narcissistic father, you've probably been brought up to made feel like you're the fucking crazy one or that you're made to be inherently wrong. When that's not true at all. And I just want to kind of touch back on what I said about narcissists who view themselves as being inherently right. If you are not exactly like your narcissistic parent, you are always going to be viewed as inherently wrong because you are the opposition of everything they are. Even in the slightest, if you are not abiding, if you are not following, if you are not meeting the standards of the narcissist, you are going to be viewed as the wrong one. As we grow up, please understand that that is not true at all. As I said before, you are perfect just the way you are. You are worthy of love just the way you are. And the way you grew up is just the hardwiring you were made to believe was true was completely fucked up. And part of healing and part of moving through recovery is understanding that you are worthy of love and that you have always been the worthy of love. And have compassion for yourself. Have compassion for what you're feeling, what you've been through. And more importantly, how you can move forward with yourself and knowing that you don't need to have validation from anybody, especially your narcissist. And with eating disorders and especially with developing unhealthy eating patterns, I think this is where we kind of hear that haunting voice, those haunting feelings of I'm wrong by doing this. This is wrong. And we want to rebel because all that's what we know is safe because that's how what we learned when we were kids is to control our surroundings control our survival through food and when we're moving towards recovery we still need food to live right that's just life how it is but the way we need to look at food is i am using this to fuel my body this is something good for me this is something that i am choosing to do as a form of self-care as a form of loving myself and i found a lot of peace almost in finding recipes and finding a relationship with cooking to help understand how food is actually made and even having that control for once and feeling like okay I know what I'm putting in this I know it's good for me and I know I'm enjoying it and not so much on focusing on calories or how this is or how bad this is for me but making foods that excite me that make that interest me and that I actually enjoy eating and that my body likes to and I do that by going off of my own standards of what I view as healthy for myself and what I view as delicious for myself and more importantly how I fucking like my body and how I like to look and how it doesn't have to do anything with the fucking male gaze but to your narcissistic parent especially your narcissistic father in order to be viewed as a good father quote-unquote their daughter needs to be desirable to the male gaze which is a reflection of themselves because if their daughter comes off as being presentable as being of worth to men she is now considered more high value for some fucking reason and to narcissistic fathers they're going to take credit for that look how good my daughter looks look how pretty she is look how thin she is she looks just like a model they get validation because you are an extension of them you are their child, so they're going to take credit for your appearance, even though they had nothing to do except bully you into it. 
And what I also want to mention that's kind of really fucked up, and I mentioned in um, my episode about being a narcissistic, a daughter of a narcissistic father, is you have to be almost desirable to their friends. Like, their friends need to find you attractive almost, which is so icky and creepy, I know. But that's the reality of it. And I know I'm not the only one that's experienced uncomfortable situations, uncomfortable gestures with my own father's friends and coworkers even, that I've been made to feel yucky of and that I don't like and that make me uncomfortable and again kind of push away and being wanting to be undesirable by the way I dress the way I look in some degree and this need for their daughter to be a to be desirable to be appeasing to the male gaze it I feel like this especially happens after a certain point where you're not viewed as a kid anymore you're viewed as you're growing older you're becoming a woman that is when there is a a separation between you are my child, you are my daughter versus I need to marry you off now. You need to be desirable to men or you're not going to do anything with your life. And there's no room for growth as a person or no expectation on who you could be as a person as opposed to if you have a brother or another or if you were a man in the situation. It's I am only good for what I look like So I'm going to do everything I can to look the best I can so I can earn that sense of love. And going back to what I said before about how escapism and numbing is used as a coping strategy to escape this instability, the scary feeling. We go back to that with eating disorders and with recovery, even having to understand that food is used as a tool to make us feel better. And not a sense love, but just to numb that pain of emptiness almost in ways that I felt that I needed love, that I needed stability, that I needed to feel comforted and nurtured in where I wasn't. And what I could control instead is the way I felt through food. And that control I've had with food, especially with starving, it is the way I learned was the correct way to be. And not not that I knew that it was a healthy way to be. But I didn't know any other way. And I carried that through my entire life. At the earliest age I started starving myself uh, to escape this feeling was nine. But even then I kind of can think back to further points in my life. But I'm going to just say nine for reference. And I'm 26 now. And these thoughts still stay with me. Even at my job, like literally this week, I was having, even when I was having my, um, wisdom teeth thing down you know you have to eat all those soft foods all the time I was starving like I feel my body getting hungry and it was so familiar and it scared me because it brought me back to that time of well this is right things are scary things are unstable things are unsure right now you're hungry good because that's all I knew was the right way to handle things I didn't understand how to that food wasn't something that you get to indulge in or treat yourself with I mean it can be in certain ways but I literally just mean like eating in general (laughs) and so when I would feel these feelings of hunger it's like well I must have been bad so let me just sit in this hunger and think about what I did or think about how I can be better and almost just rot in it because that was my peace almost and with that that's why I want to really heighten that there are so many emotional ties to food and especially with eating disorders so where when we promote that this is the correct way to be is through starvation is through trying to attain this unsustainable image it promotes daughters to feel inclined that their self-worth is based on their weight and what they eat in order to earn love 
So with healing and recovery, I like I'm not an expert by this at all. This is just through my own recovery journey, what worked for me. Because when I went to um, doctors, when I went to see therapists, and when my own parents decided to threaten to send me to rehab when I was 15, I didn't know. I didn't have an answer when people asked me, well, why are you hung? Why are you starving yourself? Why are you doing this to yourself? I didn't have an answer. I literally was like, I don't know. Cause it's not that I want to be a certain weight. I actually had a therapist that asked me like, what's your goal weight? And I didn't have an answer for her. I think I made up a number and I knew in my heart that that wasn't true, that I would just keep going. And I actually had a really bad wake up call in December of last year where I remember I got on the scale and I even that day I, I thought I like gained so much weight and I was so like hyper fixated on it that I was like oh my god like I'm gonna probably have to diet again for the next couple of days but when I got on that scale it was it really woke me up because I never thought I was gonna get to that low of a weight in my whole life like through everything I always thought I had my eating disorder under control just enough to survive the day-to-day to where it would be noticeable until that point because at that point, I didn't know any other way to live other than starving to cope with all the stress I was experiencing. So when I got on that scale that day and I looked down, it scared me because I knew I could have been days away for the unthinkable pretty much. And it kind of forced me to put in perspective like this is a tactic I'm using to sedate something else that's inside of me to make myself feel better by depriving myself of food the one thing we need for survival. And it kind of got me thinking that there's more that I'm needing that I'm missing. Cause if I don't have food, if I restrict food anymore, I could probably die. And I'm not talking eventually. I mean, probably by the end of the week, if I didn't step on that scale and I didn't acknowledge that what I was doing to my body was deadly and it could go so much worse. I also want to say too, I was going to restrict even further if I didn't get on that scale. So if I did choose to do that, who knows what would have happened to me. And I think about that a lot, especially with work again and having to and being in stressful situations. It's such a comforting place still for me. And I'm learning how to eat basically again. Like I think learning hunger cues were such a huge turning point for me when I would feel freak out or I would feel so hungry, I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. It would almost translate to, well, what am I actually needing? And what I was needing was a meal and not a binge, not a let's just eat like a bunch of sugary shit because that's what I need right now. It's what's a healthy meal that I enjoy eating that I know is healthy to me because it makes my body feel good. And it's going to help me move towards my personal goals for my health. And I started focusing my relationship that food is a way of self-love, of self-care that I'm using to fuel my body. We need food for survival. So denying or over obsessing over it isn't going to have you look at it in a healthy light. It's going to keep enforcing those behaviors of, well, I can control the amount of food I eat. I can control this, control this. It's like, We need food to survive. As human beings, that's just how it is. So when I was thinking about eating, especially with um, dieting, I think there's such like a numbers game on how many calories are healthy, how much fat, how much protein, all these shit. And it's so much and it's so confusing and it's almost too overwhelming where it's like, well, I don't even want to deal with that. 
to me, that's not health. That's just another version of it. That's just another eating disorder to me because I've been so restrictive in my life for so long. I want to learn what eating good for me was. And what good is, is something that I'm only going to learn for myself. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. It's going to be what it is for me because it's personalized to me. And no one knows you better than yourself. So when you take that time to listen to your body, listen to your hunger cues, listen to what actually makes your body feel good and feel energized, that's when you're learning what healthy means to you. And of course, doctor recommendations are great. <laughs> but just starting out, when it can't, when people would tell me, we'll just eat you know, in therapist's office, I was like, I can't. Like, I'm not going to. You can't make me. And if you do, I'm not going to eat next week. So what will it be? It was such like a control thing again, I felt like. And even the idea of having feeding tubes or having to have this control it's it didn't seem sustainable because I knew even when my parents were threatened taking me to these mental institutions hospitals rehab facilities I knew it wouldn't be sustainable because I knew what I was coming home to would be the exact same and that's the only thing I knew how to cope with the situation was through starving myself was through food so whatever happened at clinics it wasn't going to matter unless I figured out what why I was doing it in the first place and the Last December was the wake-up call. I needed to be like, all right, we got to figure this shit out once and for all. And ultimately, what it came down to was my need to starve was an escape. It's the absence of love is where we learn to fuel our addictions with starving, with drug use, with alcohol, whatever it may be. And I have an entire episode on that as well. And this is actually what a lot of my um, keynote speeches are going to be about is talking about how addiction and how these different vices are used as coping mechanisms that we learn over time and we condition ourselves into belief into being that this is the correct way to cope when we're really missing something and that what we're missing is love going back to what i said before about how narcissistic parents make us feel unstable and trigger those alarm bells that make our nervous system go awry we are seeking comfort we're seeking love we're seeking validation and as kids we don't know how to get it we don't even know how to give it to ourselves yet so that's why we learn how to use these vices as ways of survival and it's the same with any kind of addiction where you're not going to be born as an alcoholic you're going to learn how alcohol affects you and how you learn to cope through alcohol and through getting drunk and seeking that escapism food is the same way with binging, with starvation. It's all about escaping your reality through this high sensation and through this rush. And moving through recovery and rebuilding your relationship with food, you have to start believing that you are and have always been deserving of love. And more importantly, now that you're an adult, you have to learn how to give yourself that love. It's like, think about your taking care of little kid you, because that's really who you are taking care of. Because little you didn't have the parents, didn't have the resources, didn't have that understanding that you were always worthy of love, and you grew up believing that you were bad. So now flipping the switch, understanding that you were just a child and you couldn't be bad because you were just a child, have compassion for little you and have compassion for you now and past you and every version of yourself because you only did those things because that was the best knowledge you had at the time to learn how to cope through that situation.
and all we could do is do better because of it. And know ultimately that rebuilding your relationship with food, know that you are not bad or less than if you eat a certain thing or even anything at all, depending on what your relationship with it is. Food is fuel. It's made for us to enjoy. Food is a part of life. So yes, you could eat the, do the bare minimum for meeting nutritional needs and doing all those standards to just survive the day to day. But in life, we want to make it enjoyable. Make foods that you find interesting, that taste good to you, that you enjoy making for yourself or that you enjoy making with someone. I found a huge love for food through learning how to cook because I didn't know how to cook. <laughs> because I had an eating disorder my, since I was like fucking nine. So I didn't find a need to learn, you know. But I started learning how to cook with one of my friend's grandmas and it was such a heartfelt moment for me because my family didn't view food in that way where food was a way for almost being like well don't eat too much or you're gonna gain weight it was a very toxic way that it was discussed and viewed in and with my friend's grandmother it wasn't like that at all she was like the more butter the better honey and when I was learning how to cook with her I was vegan and she's a very southern woman so it was like a very interesting understanding I guess between the two of us and one of the things she taught me how to make was cornbread. And that was like a fear food of, of mine for a long time. So learning how to make this, I was like, okay, like let's, I want to learn how to make the, like something good. Cause I love, I love how people enjoy food. I've always admired that. And I've always like wanted to learn how I could do that one day. But also at the back of my mind, I was like, well, that's never going to be me. So learning how to even make something as simple as this, it helped me understand that food isn't scary, that food isn't wrong. And more importantly, there's so much love that you can have in food by not just eating it, but through making it and through sharing it with other people. And I felt that when I was learning how to make it with my friend's grandma because she was sharing her recipe with me and I was learning how to make it for myself by making it vegan and through learning how I put the effort in and she was able to help me. And it was because I knew she cared about me enough to help me make this and enjoy it with me and to sit with me and enjoy it with me and give me feedback. And it's like almost giving me that validation that food isn't scary. It's made to be enjoyed. It's made to be peaceful. And I just never felt that way around food before, which sounds crazy. But it, the way I think we're brought up is so tricky sometimes. Because like I said before, kids are like little sponges. So you don't always know what's good or bad until you're, or what's wrong and what's not in terms of how you're supposed to be made to feel until we're adults, until we're reflecting, until we're in therapy and we're talking to a therapist about that time when we were four or whatever happened. And that's when we kind of understand that, okay, that was fucked up and I did not deserve that. And now as an adult, you can learn how to flip the switch and be like, I know I didn't deserve that. How can I treat little me that's still in me? How can I treat her better? How can I treat them better? Learn that little you has always been worthy of love and validation and to give that support and care that you've always craved. And you could do that with yourself now because you're an adult. You're the one that's going to be taking care of little you and moving forward and developing these healthier eating habits. And I'm going to say it again, just as a reminder, but if you don't like 
the way you are or how you look or if there's something about you that you don't like change it you don't have to love yourself exactly the way you are especially if it doesn't make you feel good setting goals for yourself i think is a great way to keep you on track like for myself working towards a healthy weight for myself that also felt good to my body and through doing that by learning how to fall in love with food again by learning how to eat foods I enjoy and learning how they make me feel how my body digests them and like I said our bodies are all different and I think it's something we're gonna always be learning but it's exciting because we can always be trying new things and experiencing new cultures new cuisines new dishes and being open to this idea that food is not bad it's a part of culture it's a part of society it's a part of life so embrace it and i think when we have this control or we put eating or we push our own eating habits onto other people and viewing it as right and wrong it's kind of a sign that have low emotional intelligence because we're falling into that idea of black and white thinking just like our parents have and it's in a way we're repeating the pattern my parents have always and my family in general has always had input on what everyone else eats and at the end of the day it's like who gives a fuck i'm the one eating it i'm not making you eat it if i want to enjoy what i'm eating and i'm actually doing it shut the fuck up (laughs) i've always felt that especially around like holidays where um like i said before i'm vegan so i would always have to bring like a vegan dish to thanksgiving to christmas whatever it may be to have something that I knew I would I could eat or feel and feel comfortable eating and the way a lot of my family members would react I'm just like why it wasn't out of like interest it was out of like disgust almost like oh she's vegan don't let her touch the turkey or the mashed potatoes or the butter and it's just like ah yeah I get it you could poke fun but at the same time like it's my choice I'm not forcing anyone else to eat the way I do. I brought something that I could eat because I didn't expect anyone to make an accommodation to me. I provided for myself. I made the meal myself. I'm going to enjoy the meal I made and provided by myself if no one of y'all are going to have it either. Okay? Part of life, too, is we can't control what other people are going to say or act or do about us, but we can make the choices in how we can react about it and how we can carry ourselves through it and more importantly how we could take care of ourselves because of it and how we learn to empathize with ourselves through that experience a lot of times with my family i knew that their i didn't view that how their way of eating was wrong and i didn't view my way of eating as being right or better the reason i chose to be vegan is for environmental causes because i'm a huge animal lover and i saw a couple documentaries about it So I made the choice that I wanted to be vegan to make an environmental impact. And that was my choice. I'm not shitting on anyone else that eats dairy, eats meat, eats fish, whatever the fuck it is, whatever you call yourself. Enjoy your, if you enjoy what you eat, that's all that fucking matters. And that's how I always wish people viewed the way I eat. And with my own family, that took time for them to learn. And I stayed grounded in my morals and what, why I knew I was doing this and why I knew I wanted to continue eating like this and I want to clear something up too because I know this can be kind of touchy especially with restriction I find eating vegan kind of helped me stay on track with not with finding foods that made me feel good about myself but also kind of not pushing me towards binging or overeating accidentally because I was so hungry it kind of forced me to look at the labels to read ingredients and to understand what foods were 
in certain products. And that kind of helped me understand how that made my body feel and how my body would react to it. I have a very sensitive stomach, so reading labels, even now I still do, not for any diet, not for um, caloric, is that caloric? Is that what I'm trying to say? Caloric restriction? I know what certain ingredients make me feel good, what don't, and those are just little things that I like to keep out for because I don't like how it makes me feel. I like to feel like my body can move all the time, like I can get up a dance at any point, so when I eat foods that make me feel heavy or that take my body a little time to digest I don't really like to eat those on a day-to-day especially if I'm working or if I have a lot going on so I know how to feed myself to get myself through what I have to do that day and it's always going to be a process so being patient with yourself and that's why I'm always emphasizing have compassion for yourself and stay true to your values and your morals and who you are and who you are is not a reflection of what you look like or what you eat It's all about how you view yourself and viewing yourself as someone worthy and deserving of love and how you can learn to give that to yourself through fueling your body with food that you enjoy and that feels good to you. So I'm going to end it there and I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. Again, if the person that commented on the video, thank you so much for inspiring me to record this and it kind of helped me put into perspective on how much food and eating behaviors were impacted because of my childhood and the way I brought up and it almost kind of helped shed light on why I chose to do this or why I kind of fell into this because I feel like it's not always a conscious choice especially when we're kids again we're just doing the best we had with what knowledge we had at that time and all we could do is do better for ourselves and not for anyone else so when you learn how to do better for yourself because you know you're worthy of it that's when I think you can be the best version of yourself. And in a world that is based on nitpicking and putting each other down and trying to find our flaws, I think it's beautiful and rebellious to learn how to love yourself and to love yourself fearlessly because of it. So that's going to be it for this week's episode, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star rating and let me know what other episodes you'd like to see in the future. If you want to follow me on TikTok and Instagram, I'll put all my handles below as well as my link to my YouTube channel if you want to give me a follow on there and subscribe. I'm going to be hosting live calls on my keynote topics like this called Starved Hearts every Sunday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you're someone that's looking for how to move on from a narcissistic relationship, trying to feel a little bit better about yourself or trying to just rewire your brain from all the fucked up shit we've grown up believing, I'm going to link my website to life coaching and also my email below if you're interested in booking a one-on-one session with me. I'm currently doing free 15-minute consultations. That's going to be it for this week, guys. I hope you all have an amazing week. I love you all so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.